0: A Mr. Teeth Production.
1: the only podcast where i have to book my friends to trick them to hang out with me i am armando torres this is the rt podcast (laughs) (laughs) and joining me today are two very special guests we have 190 pounds of pure muscle and talent blaine gibson this is a trap this is a
2: trap i just realized when you said that i was like i've been trapped
1: (laughs) and how many pounds soaking wet 15 pounds we have chris damaris but 15 pounds of pure talent pure unadulterated talent <laughs> what does unadulterated mean um it means that there's no adults to tell you that you can't do it to the max it means raw yeah okay like well raw. no I guess because adulterated would be uh raw but like unadulterated Un- would be
3: protected protected talent I'm the protect I'm protected I don't need, go. see
2: I hear that all the time everyone uses it I don't think anyone truly knows what it means, though.
1: I don't think you need to. Yeah? I think it just, uh, just means what it yeah what it needs to mean. You're, wow. That's English language, that's, baby.
2: That's messed up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Is it dul- dul- adulterated
2: then comes from diluted in some ways there there's in some a, way
1: i think it's because when you become an adult you become diluted with so much uh, bullshit. I, when you're a child <laughs> like if it was childlike uh-huh. you would just be, be pure pure yeah pure and happy and unadulterated that makes sense i'm looking because... for
2: root words like this is the sat and uh-huh. i'm trying to get to the bottom of what yeah
3: so it, is adult it, th- <laughs> you say it like it's a it's <laughs> a crime that's got i'm trying to get to the bottom of this unadulterated, unadulterated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hello boys hello how are you I'm good yeah I'm tired hey, it, really it, yeah yeah it, it's well it's is it's christmas it's christmas well it's technically it's la,
1: la, la, la. is that a christmas song
2: chris does kind of give like a haunting christmas hmm. boy vibe like yeah. a like a mix of a, like a tiny tim <laughs> but a little bit of ebenezer scrooge you do,
1: you look like you draw on your facial hair to trick us into thinking <laughs> that you are an
2: adult, I want them
1: to
3: know I'm unadulterated.
2: adulterated. <laughs> uh, what, what's the vibe for Christmas?
3: I like
1: Christmas. I think it's cool. I um I, I I don't really um do anything special. I think when I was a kid, I would go like open presents and stuff. Mm. Um, I had one of those sick-ass divorced parents, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. so I would get, like, double Christmas. yeah, but it was, they were poor, so it was, like, half a Christmas total.
4: <laughs> um,
1: I don't know. I think Christmas is cool. I never really did the big family thing. Uh, all my family was too spread out, and, mm-hmm. uh, I really just, as an adult, have used Christmas as an excuse to go see, like, my mom and hang out. Yeah, um, yeah.
2: Everybody gives time off and stuff. You yeah. gotta deal with holiday traffic, mm-hmm. but... I have parts of my family are so poor that I remember they used to do this thing where they would uh, tell their kids in their youth that Christmas was on the twenty. I want to say the twenty seventh mm-hmm. because they would go out on the twenty fifth and buy presents oh. at a discount, and then they would wrap them in twenty seventh. They'd celebrate Christmas. I, Christmas not during Christmas is the best Christmas you'll ever have. Not during Christmas. 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 If you celebrate the
3: holidays like off date, uh huh, it's so much better. Because you're able to like, it's easier to schedule, it's easier to fly in and out, uh-huh. it's not busy. So do you have a specific date? Like you're Anytime, not... You just do like a week before or a week after. Okay. yeah, yeah. So you like oh. offshoot it, all of a sudden, it's way more like easier to schedule. It's easier going. Yeah, I, yeah.
1: I would argue that week after is the move. Week before actually feels more stressful
3: and expensive. Well, it could be, I don't know. Week- but but the, the, the benefit of it also is if people have like partners and stuff and they have to split Christmas, you know like, oh, they can't come to yeah. Christmas. They can always go the week before.
2: the The week after, I also feel like you lose that spirit. What, like, yeah. The worst day of the cr- the holiday season for me is Christmas, because at that point, the, the you've no, done everything, it's and like the next day. But the high, yeah, no, because then you get the you're you're in your fucking Xbox. There's no expectation. You're still off from school. <laughs> Twenty fifth though, it's like you open all your presents. You don't get to enjoy them because you got all these other traditions you got to hit. Okay, nothing's fucking that's open. Right. you can't go hang out have, with you, your friends because you have.
3: You have stupid traditions. Yeah. <laughs> that aren't playing First them. of all, you
1: haven't had to worry about going to school tomorrow in forty years, so I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. Secondly, I don't know. I think uh, I, I I don't know if you guys do this. It sounds like you don't, but I I kind of loop in the whole like two week period of any holiday as just that holiday. Mm-hmm. Like two weeks, um, half of it before, half of it after Halloween. For me, that's just Halloween. Halloween. Thanksgiving, same thing. Uh, Christmas, especially, is just like sort of a season. And I want to be clear: I fucking hate like Christmas songs. Like, I hate that the whole world celebrates like a Christmas together. I just mean that, like, for two weeks, I don't do shit. I go visit my mom. We watch TV and movies, Mm -hmm. and then like make a bunch of food.
2: I love Christmas music because I used to enjoy it because I was like, "Yeah, it's the Holy Spirit," and and I'm, I'm super into this and all this stuff. Now I like it because I feel like every time a Christmas song is on my radio, I'm so fucking stressed out, and there's just something <laughs> about the, the 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 emotions and the thing I'm experiencing while listening to it's it. Cinematic. Yeah. It's cinematic. No, it's like no, the no, antithesis. No, I love I, that shit. I feel hey.
1: like if you've ever worked in retail, you you fucking hate it. You fucking... No. That and Maroon 5. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but I
3: also, <laughs> I also worked at an ice cream store, so like... That was a slow time. That's when you're just chilling. Oh, Christmas time is a slow yeah. time? Yeah. Yeah. No one wants ice, ice cream. cream. Store. It's cold. Yeah. You just chill and, and like make waffle cones.
1: Yeah. I You working at an ice cream store is maybe the most fitting job I've ever it's in so, my entire life. I used to work at a
2: fucking toy store. It was KB Toys back where they went not Baker. Dude, that was the worst Christmas time. Yeah. I worked two Christmases at KB, and my God, like... Just the worst parts of humanity.
1: I worked at a Jimmy Johns and Christmas was just kind of normal, actually. Oh, yeah. No real difference. <laughs> no big change. They had that seasonal like uh Thanksgiving turkey one though, did they not? I don't think so. Oh, okay. Uh they might have, but not really. I think that might have been like a different sandwich place. We um we did have uh pumpkin spice Italian subs, which oh, is, oh, is when is I that would a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's not real. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's when I would make an Italian sandwich and then pour a Starbucks uh, oh, oh. pumpkin spice latte over it. Oh, um, like a like mm. a French dip. Mm. Oh,
2: yeah. Is it good?
1: No, oh. it tasted terrible.
2: What's the broth of a French dip?
3: Is it just beef broth? Yeah, it's beef broth. Okay. okay. Hey, you know what juice. I have for my salad dressing? Beef juice? Not nah, yeah. Yeah, actually, kind of. No chicken juice. Um, chicken stock is like a salad dressing. On accident. That sounds healthy. What though. do you mean on accident? So I went and got a. Sa- I didn't have much time for lunch the other day. I went to H E B and I walked in and got a salad. Mm-hmm. But I pre, you know, they don't come with dressing. But I, I bought a thing of dressing to leave at the office. I came, I came, walked all the way stage four. Oh my god! No dressing. They cleaned out the fridge, including dressing. Yeah, and they I- made a big deal about
1: doing that too. By the way, uh, well,
2: because well, a lot of
3: people. Had been leaving food in there
1: for months. Chris. Dressing? No, I'm just saying. There's a
2: lot of. Dressing? Oh,
3: I'm sorry. Okay.
1: I actually, you know what? I am on Chris's side. There's (laughs) stuff like dressing, mustard, et cetera, like stuff that you just have in the fridge. Condiments? Yeah. Yeah.
2: They should have checked the expiration dates, but I'm sorry. I think I know exactly what happened here, but go on. Anyway,
3: they they cleaned it out, and I was like, oh, that stinks. But I wasn't like.
1: That's why they threw it out. Cause it fucking (laughs) stank, dude. No, it's just
3: like it was like some vinaigrettes, man. Uh Those like never go bad. Anyway, so I was like, dang. So then I was like, and I didn't have time to go back and get dressing. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, maybe there's some in uh, stage two. There wasn't, but you know what? There was in stage two. Chicken stock. Well, I had some leftover uh, 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 soup. No. And I just poured the the broth into the soup, and I gave it a shake, shake, shake. Honestly, not bad, Chris.
1: There's a reason they call it soup or salad. You can't <laughs> do both. You're not allowed to do both. How was it? It honestly wasn't that bad. Because if
3: it was refrigerated, <laughs> it was refrigerated. That's soup. not bad. Yeah, it's kind of like a like, healthy. Was it like a chicken noodle? It was a, a ramen. Okay, okay, less healthy, less well, yeah, oh, oh, like not noodle ramen. Well, all noodle. Okay, like ramen that you buy at a, a ramen place, like out. Yeah, I get what you're yeah, saying. Not it's not like, like
1: top ramen. Yeah, it's yeah. like ramen from a ramen spot. Yeah, yeah. So it was like good broth. I assumed but <laughs> hold on. I assumed that was the case. I think everyone assumed that was the case. I think it would be weirder if you made ramen on a stove <laughs> and then yeah, said, "You it. know what? This 89 cents has to go in the fridge cuz I got to eat this later." <laughs> Okay. And it was, was it pork ramen? It was chicken ramen, it is was what chicken. you said. And it was good. It was good. Did you
3: put the noodles in there too, or just the broth? I dumped everything. There wasn't <laughs> much noodles left. I kind of saved the broth for my own. Like, do you say, do you guys save broth? Um, um, if it depends.
2: I typically, I was raised to finish my plate. So I very rarely take home leftovers. Well, yeah. so
3: I had eaten all, most of the noodles out of it. it is mostly just some broth. And I was like, two things. One, I'm gonna go home and cook my own noodles in this broth. Mm-hmm. It's just like yeah. it's like new ramen. You throw an egg in there, maybe some the vegetables. Yeah, and then you save that broth. Yes, and then you yes, do it again. Yes, yes infinite I, ramen. Yes, it is infinite ramen. I'm not kidding you. I've i there's made ramen in like four times out <laughs> you, of normal. Have ramen. you heard about this?
2: There's like some places that they have like 120 year old soup. Because they just have this they have a pot and it's the same broth and they've just been adding Mm. to it. As they take it out, they add more to it. And And that's like fine to eat? Apparently. Like it's been going on since like the fucking middle ages. Check come to my house.
1: <laughs> I don't want your. I got never soup. I too. got a soup in there that's been in my fridge for twenty-five the, years. I
2: feel like there's a place in like like Boston or something on the East Coast that they have one of these places. Japan mm-hmm. definitely has a few of them, but it's just like they just constantly refresh and then they'll transfer it over and then they'll mm-hmm. clean the pot, so like that's still clean. But like, is it
1: like tiered? Do you think like because the different like the because, bottom is all yeah. Like, do you go, can you go in there and get me go like uh. uh let me get some of that Reagan broth. Yeah. And they go, they go But what happens, deep in They
2: bring there. out the Reagan ladle. Yeah. <laughs> it's gold plated.
1: Well, at that point, they put the pot up top and it trickles down. Into <laughs> oh, yeah. So they <laughs> have That's a nozzle. Yeah. I'm so sorry. That's great. That's, That's good. fucking stupid. That's a good joke. <laughs> That's good. Um, uh, can I tell you guys about one of the dumbest things? Speaking of H-E-B and chicken, um, yeah. I, I did an Instacart order the other day because... Uh, I do this thing where when I record like Colt Podcast, uh, the other show that I do, I'll like order Paige Wesley. Gr- yeah, with Paige Wesley. Yeah. I'll order um, groceries from Instacart so that while I'm recording, the grocery shopping is getting done. And then I feel good about ordering it because then I'm getting two things done at once. Yeah, whatever you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. It makes me feel better. Whatever. There's a meme online, uh, which is that dudes are the worst shoppers ever because I think dudes, yeah. even for themselves when they're not Instagram shoppers are just fucking terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah,
3: that's why I hate uh, grocery shopping.
1: Yeah. I'm bad at it. I don't know if I can't find something. I just replace it with the closest thing ever. Like, uh. I was supposed to, when I was in New York, I was shopping with my partner, and, um, well, actually, my partner sent me shopping for dinner, and I was supposed mm. to get bell peppers, that was I a test. couldn't find them, and I just got cayenne pepper, like, ground. Yeah, yeah. That was um, a test,
2: and you failed. It. I failed. I failed.
1: <laughs> I got everything else right. Anyway. Uh, this is a similar version of it where uh, recently Andrew Rosas uh, put me onto um, H-E-B's rotisserie chicken, the lemon pepper like rotisserie chicken. Mm-hmm. Thing, oh, yeah. yeah, Which yeah. is so good. It's so cheap. Rotisserie chicken, great thing. Yeah. I ordered it. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. didn't have it. They were sold out of
3: rotisserie chickens. Do you want to guess... I
2: was going to say, can we play a game with this? Do what you they want replace? to guess what they replaced mm-hmm. the rotisserie chicken I with? I
3: love when they do this because it's always like, how did they end up mm-hmm. here?
2: I, I want to say that they gave you deli meat chicken, like the refrigerated rotisserie. Interesting.
1: I bet they be deli canned chicken. Canned chicken. Interesting. Blaine Gibson, you are correct. Yeah. yeah they, what sounds, they sounds did was they went to the deli mm-hmm. and made them slice turkey, not chicken. Oh. Turkey. So I got a package of... I got two pounds... <laughs> That's a lot of meat. Dude, are you shitting me? Telly turkey. No. So, I guess what I'm asking here is do you want some turkey? (laughs) Because I have so much fucking turkey. Chris, do you want to put that in your soup?
2: What? that'll be good it's true
1: though anytime good
2: anytime you find out that your instacart guy is a guy mm. then it's like expect these the most out of left field uh replacements yeah. for things that are missing
1: none of it makes sense um I, that's why it's like i'll get any, any shopper i'm fine with and then you like it pops up and it's like randy and you're like oh fuck, fuck. god damn it okay yeah. well i guess i'm going to HEB again yeah um fortunately we have one right by the office so it's not the hardest but
2: man I feel like during the holidays, once November hits, that place is like a madhouse. Oh, yeah. And I don't even
1: like going over there. I was just talking with uh, Sammy from BFT. I feel like I keep name dropping, but names that don't matter. <laughs> 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 and That's not on Sammy. That's everyone. Um, that's a f- blanket insult. Uh, I was talking with Sammy about, Sammy likes going to malls, like to, like, Okay. Public places to go. I have a theory about that. To hang out and shop, just to hang out and shop. Uh, I hate shopping. I fucking hate shopping too. It's the worst. I hate going to places where people are buying stuff. I feel like I get residual stress from them doing stuff. I hate trying on clothes. I also (sighs) I like it, but here's the thing: Uh, I've never, or since high school onward, I have not been able to buy clothing from like uh, regular retail Mm. stores um because it needs to be tall everything Mm. i need needs to be tall size otherwise it's just too short uh so i can't go to malls because the shopping doesn't matter i don't do that i don't like any i don't like buying things that aren't utilitarian like i love clothing because i can wear it but like collectibles toys etc not a really big fan of it music and books is different but again utilitarian (laughs) i can use it well says
3: yeah 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 like he doesn't have like technology from the oh, 90s yeah, and you know. that's, that's, that's cool <laughs> no, 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 I, I know i'm not i'm not criticizing that but it's Blaine's okay like, yeah
2: no.
1: yeah i'm utilitarian
2: well no no, no. i i collect <laughs> like like i collect like cassette players and retro tvs and retro radios well, like your, all that your shit.
1: tv made the call sign for this podcast you know that right? Utilitarian. Chris. Utilitarian. When at the beginning of this podcast, when it's the the Rooster Teeth logo comes in on his like CRT, uh-huh. uh, Andrew Roses uh, made that in After Effects really quickly, and then went to your house and filmed it on your CRT TV. Yeah, I put it on my CRT. And then uh, did some funky editing with it. Now that's our call sign. Yeah.
2: Executive produced by Blaine Gibson. <laughs> uh,
1: well, so but I don't
2: like like I don't like Funko Pops. I don't like that kind of shit. Yeah. Like I I I. I have action figures, but they were like when I bought them in Japan because like they had like cool action figures. Sure. Do like, so you like collectibles that are like actually will cool. collect? I collect things that I wanted in my youth but couldn't get.
1: I feel like everything that you collect has a story attached to it, rather than just like wanting to collect things because you're a fan of X, Y, or Z.
2: Yeah, yes and no. Because, like, like this watch is, like, that's the watch that Arnold wears in Predator. So, mm-hmm. like, typically I have, like, a reason behind it. I don't just but that's randomly... also
1: utilitarian. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. I, th- I would say anything that you have that isn't utilitarian, like all that other stuff, and even, like, the CRT cameras, the tape cassettes and stuff, like, you make that part of your setup. You use it, yeah. you know, you incorporate it into what you do. My doing. office fucking rocks. Like I, like I've cool. always
2: wanted like a cool little nerdy like cyberpunk man cave shit mm-hmm. and it's I, I love my office. It's got like old tape shit everywhere.
1: You but, don't you don't really have a lot of collectibles at home. I've been to your house. I've got um, a lot of flashlights. Yeah. <laughs> but again, <laughs> utilitarian. <laughs> yeah, 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 oh yes, yeah. of course.
3: <laughs> um I collect, I have a lot of like to me it's like stuff that I like. I mean I have a ton of stuff on like little little like, toys and stuff. They're all just like little knick-knack things that I think are cool. Yeah. And I just I have them on shelves and stuff.
1: I have some, but I've never bought any. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I've been Gifts. gifted, yeah, yeah, stuff that I that I that I then will keep, but I very rarely will buy anything that um is just for the sake of looking at it. I hate
2: like chotch like shit like uh not to disparage any brands, but like like a like a loot sending mm. thing where they send you like a funko pop and some branded chopsticks or something it's just like I don't want any of this stuff and it's just now it's just going to pile up in my You're house. You sent me junk.
1: You sent me trash I mean... for the future. But also that's that's I uh, to be like to piggyback what you were saying that's just us. Like if you like it the more power to you oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, I have so much I have I have endless amounts of vinyl and uh cds and i like physical media yeah um you probably have like a ton of movies i would wager uh
2: a pretty good amount of blu-rays and dvds yeah yeah and like some vhs and cassettes and And you
1: you could make the argument that like that stuff's really stupid when you can stream everything the reason we keep it is because like you know you never know when shit's gonna go
2: obsolete sony just released a thing where i think that they had it was like an older streaming platform of theirs and then they just said hey if you ever bought anything or rented anything it's it's gone Mm mm-hmm it's just like, they have the right to do that because it's not physical media. And they, at the front of when you buy this, they're like, well, you're not owning it, owning it. Like, we can take this away. Yeah. So physical media is important because it's like, you actually get it. You get to keep it.
1: It's also very strange to me that like, even owning something on a Blu-ray, like eventually that Blu-ray is going to fuck up and die. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Like eventually. Cause... Because of like the, the, the internet connected Blu-ray ones? Or no, 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 no. I just like... mean like as a physical item, oh, the yeah, yeah, Blu-ray yeah. will eventually cease to work. Probably not for a really long time, uh-huh. but it eventually will. Um, I was listening to this really great video essay uh, recently, Jacob Geller. Another name drop. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who watches YouTube on their lunch break is freaking out right now. Just yeah. Like, yeah! Um, but there is this idea of, like, how do you save uh, – Stuff like video games and shit, you mm-hmm. know, when like you can, m- the majority of older games are uh, stored on devices that break down, like Game Boy cartridges yeah. are known for just like once the battery dies out, oh, your Pokemon's yeah. just fucking gone. Yeah. So, like, so many old games because we can't, because it's sort of illegal to like port or emulate them into mm-hmm. modern technologies, um, some of that code and some of those games and Other games too, like anything pre 2002, because the only way to play it is with the physical media that requires different things like a PS2 Mm -hmm. or stuff like even like cassettes, you know, like you would have to keep your cassette player, keep it, uh, top notch, like able to work and then make sure that you're storing your cassettes properly so that you can't have them. Um, I just think it's interesting that like we keep this physical media, but eventually, you know, it it'll die out too. But
2: it'll it'll die out at a slower rate than if uh you have it on a digital library. Yeah, then it, if you have it on Sony. Wipe it. Um I I actually have this uh thing cuz I have this the whole kick on Retro stuff. K, uh, Griff always claims that I'm a time traveler and sure. I just time traveled from the 80s and now I'm just enjoying all of the whatever. Um but there's this thing called a uh uh analog pocket and it's basically like a souped up game boy and you can put on emulators and play like basically any game boy game from history on sure. it sure and I, i've been doing that because like i do have a bunch of game boy games that i saved but the batteries are all do- dead and i don't know how to solder and stuff so i'm just like yeah i'll just get this thing oh really
1: yeah i can teach you that's something i could soldering, actually teach you yeah i would love to do that in welding i welding i don't know but soldering i had to learn when i worked at uh lego we had to- really lego you don't know he's, a, know he's a master builder. Yeah, I was a master model builder. I don't know what builder. that means. So oh, uh, I, my job was to build uh, buildings and stuff out of Lego for like Legoland's across the world. Wow. Mm -hmm. are you fucking with (laughs) no that wow was so disgenuine no that was genuine
3: i think
2: that seems like one of those jobs where it's like why would you
1: ever leave but i'm sure there's some (laughs)
2: very valid reasons for why you left
1: i don't know the legality of whether or not like what i can mention but okay Uh, What I can say is that uh, what I think is very funny is that I worked for Legoland, not for Lego. I worked for Legoland, um, which is owned by a British company called Merlin Magic Making. Uh I was a master model builder. I got the job... purely because i think people who are really good with lego are really bad at talking to people <laughs> and i was like decent at lego and also had a pretty good um portfolio as like an artist mm-hmm. and i am like this straight up this isn't like a like an exaggeration if if i get an interview for a job I'm getting that job. I've never not interviewed and gotten a job offer. Huh, okay, I'm very personable. I'm very yeah, likable like your, yeah. um, in that setting, especially when I only have to be there for like 50, you know, 15 minutes. If you get 15 minutes with Armando Torres, you leave going like, I like that guy.
2: That guy, guy he's if, okay with me.
1: If you get like two years like Blaine got with Armando Torres, <laughs> you're like, I never want to go hang out with that guy again. Um did you have to like speed Lego? Uh so yeah, and I sucked at it. There was a, when I went to the interview process, it was a group uh, interview um, where there was like 30 people, right, and uh, they asked you to build something that showed your personality. And uh, this guy was like, oh, I'm gonna build the rocket that won me the Lego building competition of 2014 down in St. Louis. And I was like, that's when I graduated high school, fuck. You know, like I'm, He's building this rocket. Other people are building transformers. The guy that's in the same like mini group within our group is like a fifty-two-year-old dude from Denmark with an engineering degree, and I'm just sitting here. I'm Perfect. nineteen. I'm a little high right now, mm-hmm. going like, "Oh fuck! I may have. <laughs> I may have I been mean, too deep." You know? <laughs> You're building like I built. Uh, I built a plate of spaghetti because that's what I found. I built a blue plate, and then I found a bunch of the like the beige uh like strips of different lengths and i put them down and then i built a like a thing of red meatballs and meatballs yeah and i just built that because i was like fuck it i'm not winning i might as well get a laugh out of this yeah 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 and so i was like <laughs> i built this plate of spaghetti because i'm like 80 percent spaghetti <laughs> at, at any <laughs> given time five percent a meatball by volume <laughs> and they loved it and the, the reason they told me they liked it is because like everyone builds something that like shows how impressive impressive your building is mm. but it's actually more important to to build something that like is fun or to tells create. a story yeah, 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 yeah. yeah than it is to do any of that other well, stuff it
3: did they did say build something that shows your personality and you you, and you delivered you did, yeah. you did and yeah. you didn't and your personality isn't the rocket. rocket maybe ship. it is it, it, I for know. That guy, that, it might be the rocket <laughs> yeah, my personality
2: is this giant phallic thing
1: <laughs> 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 hey elon how you doing <laughs> man um uh, that's just what happens when you become a billionaire you want to build a giant dick and go to the space yeah a memorial uh, yeah i so I, I i worked for i worked there for a really long time my job eventually though because i was so such a slow builder i'm not i don't want you to think i was good at the job or anything mm-hmm. i was actually <laughs> oh, I it, thank you. <laughs> uh and so my job mostly became working with like i would do press stuff i would go do the um like make-a-wish stuff uh and i would i would like just kind of be one of the face people for, mm, for um for for like building a, stuff yeah, they probably cool.
2: needed that cuz they probably just didn't have any like camera trained folks that were like
1: they had a few of them yeah. the other thing that sucked is that like people would get i okay i understand why they would get mad but like part of what would happen is they wanted it to seem like any master model, model builder was just synonymous with the job so like if you were talking about something that was built by your office you would have to in front of the public talk like you built the whole thing Mm. so that it seems more magical to the children Mm -hmm. right but then people who actually worked at the office feel like hate feel like you're taking fucking credit yeah absolutely yeah so it, cuz it's you know these things are giant fucking monstrosities that uh that, that are that like multi person teams too probably
2: right Oh yeah
3: like <laughs> we built Sorry I'm just imagining the people at Lego office still st- 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 taking credit for from <laughs> all those sick <laughs> kids they're staring through a
2: window a Lego window at Armano saying so when I built the dinosaur
1: head <laughs> yeah they're just like And I would look at, I would turn and look at them in the eye and go when I built that <laughs> There's uh we we built uh and I it, it, I'm still doing it because I actually really had very little job? to do with it. No, <laughs> no, 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 that. no. I'm kidding. You said she's still no, I'm still I, doing it. I'm still taking credit for it. When we quote unquote <laughs> they when they built the the Burj Khalifa, which is you know the tallest, tallest building yeah. in the world, yeah, they were trying to to build like uh, the tallest Lego structure in the world as a replica of the Burj Khalifa. Um, one of my favorite little bits of uh, information is that like that's in Dubai. Yeah. Like we mm-hmm. sent that to Dubai. It's a giant wait, wait, recreation actually built it. and then, mail, and then like yeah. took it apart. So we built it, it we built it in sectors.
3: Do you, and yeah, like then they you, build anything and then you yeah. install it. yeah like yeah true like, like any building. building so so do you like glue them when you do it or you just yeah, like, uh, yeah 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 so that they, it's not firmer.
1: it's not glue it's actually um a mixture of like this weird acidic solution and the ABS plastic that the legos are built out oh, of oh so
3: kind of like it, it molds it mm.
1: essentially it's not glue it melts enough of the lego so that, that when it, it dries it yeah. just actually becomes one giant piece of lego and, and like at that PVC point
3: pipe or something oh we all also put oh, like yeah. metal
1: piping within oh. it when we're installing. Oh, to it,
3: frame yeah. it. So, so there is a. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, there is a rule that if a child can kick it, they will fucking destroy it. So you, we make those things as sturdy as humanly possible. There is like metal rebar and shit in there. Mm. Um, We really like reinforce it towards the bottom to hurt the child as much as possible. (laughs) That Uh, is the job of the leg. That's why they hurt to step on. So then, once it's uh,
2: built, then those Legos you can't like recover those. Right, they're like stuck as that thing. They
1: are. They are stuck as that thing. And like sometimes, uh, while I was working there, we had to renovate the. the Southern California Legoland, uh, the White House, mm-hmm. they actually took it out of the park and brought it in and we had to like take parts. So you renovated off of it. the White House. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's
2: yeah, what yeah. you get to tell your kids.
1: And the cool thing about it is it's like a one-for-one recreation. So I actually know the escape routes, like oh, where Joseph did, yeah, Biden where is, Biden is. Yeah, where Biden is. Yeah, yeah, At any given time. Um do like perfect what, what, shots. What's the scale that, you, <laughs>
3: that they build
1: at? Like, I don't know, but it's not one for one. That's kind of the fucked up well,
3: thing. Well, yeah, obviously you didn't build the the cali- whatever the cali- Burj Khalifa cali- one yeah, for one. one, to one. I didn't <laughs> I take a guess, I
2: feel like sixteen to one is a standard size. That seems like right. That right? sounds about right. No, sixteen to one would still be like the size of this r-
1: the room. The 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 person, like the Lego people, the mini landers as they call them, which is different than a minifigure. Minifigure is like the the tiny Lego dudes. Uh, a mini lander is the one where it's like made out of multiple Lego pieces mm. and they're about this tall. So a person is this tall versus however tall a regular person is, if that makes sense. That's the the scale. The scale. So
3: that's okay. So
1: that's like, how tall is that? That's if, not, that's,
2: if they're this tall, it's also that's like six inches. The person,
1: the mini landers are actually bigger I I than the like buildings, like eight inches. <laughs> Like if you, that's one of the funky parts. Is like if you actually look at it, the mini landers are too big for like the cars, and the cars are too small for the buildings, and uh-huh. like it's
2: it's all it's like you fuck around that, with. That's it. like one to twelve. Then one to twelve to one to sixteen because sure. they're they're six inches and like say like an average person, it's not, but six foot,
1: then. I would say if two, the, one to twelve. If the White House, if the building that we did, if it had started at this table, it was about this
2: high. You should you should lower your hand down because that's a weird gesture that (laughs) you. No no no! no, no. (laughs)
1: Don't talk about the White House, (laughs) Joseph (laughs) Biden. yeah it was uh it was a fun job but it was i forgot how we got into this uh i didn't know that you that such a
2: job existed i don't know i fucking love legos though i'm getting back into them like it's they have like the old people sets. no no i bet you do because you're like
3: i just wanted everything i could have as a kid and
2: now you're like here's my Lego. well it sucks though because like once i built i I just want to build it i don't want to display it i don't want a house filled with lego shit i have friends that have that and that's fine that's just like not my aesthetic so I just, like, I break them apart and I throw them in a closet.
1: That's what me and my partner were talking about is, like, we want to build the Lego. But after that, Lego. yeah, I don't want it anymore. No, I no. don't I might, want it. I might just
2: start being the cool uncle and just giving it to my niece and nephew. Yeah, why don't you do that? <laughs> I don't give a fuck.
1: Like, I, I did. They, all
2: of my childhood Legos are my with my niece and nephew. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, and I'm starting from scratch, and eventually it's going to get critical mass. I'm going to need to move. And then I'm just going to be like, get the fuck, get, get, here's some Legos, kids. You know, like, I don't know.
1: (laughs) I actually, uh, this is a pretty good segue into some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about. Speaking of, like, you want to talk about Lego? (laughs) Using your creativity and mixing it with your childhood, you both just uh, made a show about puppets.
3: That's right, with, or puppets, or with puppets, entirely of puppets, yeah.
1: I guess it's technically not about puppets, it's about uh the adventures of a Dungeons and Dragons crew as they sort of traverse this strange world and it's brought to life through puppets.
2: And come to think of it, we don't even really call attention to the fact that they are puppets, not even in,
1: once. No, in their world, they're just
2: people, they just
1: are people. They just are pe- yeah. I,
2: I will say that there was a funny story where Chris and I were like sitting down to work through an episode uh one we were, day <coughs> and when we were writing it, yeah, and you brought up A video from your childhood, and and then I went into my closet and I fished out a VHS. We both used to make videos, basically what we're doing now, but like with action figures and stuff to the same scale, just not as well.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. Chris was using the fucking Unity One to like make the (laughs) backgrounds work. Um, That's actually a reference to the fact that you guys were using some of the like Mandalorian uh, uh, techniques of like having the. the background be like video game yeah. settings. Yeah.
2: We even got like Unreal Engine. Like we went legit with it. Cuz before we were using like just stock images and stuff mm-hmm. to throw up on the screen, but like we actually like made digital settings and environments and then extended them into physical
3: sets and built the sets to match the digital ones so that yeah. they blend it. Cuz you can't yeah, some some a lot of our sets are like entirely built, but a lot of them they yeah, you can't build all the skies. Sure. Um and yeah. so like we, yeah, like our, our main village in the show is, yeah, we, we found a, an a unreal environment and then had the houses built to match that environment so that yeah. they blended very quickly. Originally, we were thinking about doing Lego. But yeah.
1: <laughs> but you couldn't make it to 116 scale. No, it just wouldn't work. I guess let's start at the beginning. So in case you're unfamiliar, I don't know how you are as a, as an audience viewer, but um, you both work on a show, uh, a, a D&D real play podcast called uh, Tales from the Stinky Dragon, right? right. where uh, You're wearing a shirt of it right now. Um and you are wearing Venture Brothers. Yeah, it's a yeah. Warner property. It I is, thought about that this morning what? when I was going to wear it. It is a Warner property.
2: I I, I want to support Venture Brothers, but more I'd... than my puppet show. <laughs> okay, no, just...
1: calm down. <laughs> Zaslav's not watching it anymore. <laughs> it's fine. Um, well, he canceled it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we're right behind it. Um. So yeah, y'all made this uh this 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 real play uh D and D podcast where you um it's you. Uh, you uh, Barbara and John Reisinger uh, are the players and uh, Gus is the DM that's right yeah yeah and then the story is written with uh, or by Micah Reisinger right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then DM'd by Gus uh, and then Micah sort of makes the entire score and like sort of the um, what you call it the fully work and makes it feel like a real yeah. audio drama yeah sort of. yeah it's a
3: radio and play and then there's uh, a lot of the NPCs that are originally voiced by Gus are then re recorded with actual yeah uh, like voice actors like you. Like yeah. myself. Yeah. And
2: those are all people that we brought back to the show too. That is true. So yeah. your character doesn't make an appearance, but we give you a different character.
1: You did do that. Does yeah. my the big character that I
3: voiced well, not, isn't in the show yet. Not yet. Is that, okay. So to kinda like the podcast is, you know, it's over a hundred hours, right? That mm-hmm. storyline. Um, and we were, we, we initially made uh, videos with the puppets, like little just snippets, one minute, like kind of essentially animated best of clips, but using puppets. And sure. then after those, did well, were, uh, the most common comment is, man, I, I wish I could watch the whole podcast like this. And I was like, that was like a top comment all the time. I like, man, I, I, where can I watch the whole show? Yeah. That's not possible. It's not possible for us to do a one-to-one adaptation. We'd still be on episode one yeah. right now, <laughs> yeah. if that were the case. Um, but we were like, well, we could adapt the story in the same way that, you know, a movie or a, a show is based off of a book or something. Mm-hmm. And so we took the characters in the world and then made it in a, a new series with new storyline. I mean, it's he's using the same characters and the same kind of plot point. But we basically it's it's an it, adaptation, an adaptation. Yeah. We call it Sticky Dragon Adventures because they're off on different adventures. Sure.
1: I, I actually really like that. One of the things that I wanted to um, sort of praise you guys for is that the show itself, Sting- uh, Tales from the Stinky Dragon, has always sort of been um, more focused on being a show than other sort of real play podcasts that I've heard of in the past. Like, um, I think what's so interesting is making it feel like an audio drama, Mm -hmm. Um, having voice actors come in to play sort of these NPC characters. Not that it's necessarily a novel or completely unique thing to your show.
2: Not even to our, like, us, because we did Good Morning From Hell, which is like that whole entire premise.
1: Yeah, but it it sort of, I don't know, it elevates it to a new level where it does feel like, um, I guess it feels like what it, Listening to your show feels like what D&D feels like when I'm playing (laughs) Playing it with my friends, if that makes sense. Like, in my head, you. the imagination, like, yeah, that character, sure, my DM can't do a fucking Scottish accent to save his fucking life, mm-hmm. but in my head, he's fucking nailing yeah, it, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, like, I, I really applaud that your show really goes above and beyond, and then um, this show is such a fun, creative way to do it. Like, I, I guess doing it with puppets instead of just doing it, because you also do an animated version of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Tales from the Sneaky Dragon <laughs> animated, right? <laughs> yeah, because... We were like, uh, at one point, we were
2: going to divide and conquer and be like, okay, we'll do puppets, and the other person does animated, and then we'll just kind of off and on do that. And then puppets just took off, and we were having so much fun with puppets, we were just like, we'll just do puppets. Mm -hmm. So then we were going to have to make the full show, we were like, well, in the meantime, we still want to release content, so let's do some animated stuff. So our animation team started doing those, and we are like, yeah, puppets, this is great. The animation started like doubling the views that our puppet videos were, and I was like, "Oh shit, maybe we should have done animated the whole time."
1: <laughs> I was like stressed out,
2: <laughs> but yeah, our animated stuff is awesome, and and it's, that's all of our animation team. They they do like RTA and stuff. Oh
1: like that. yeah, they do an incredible job of. I mean, I I just uh, we got done, um, you know, making new episodes, or we are in the process, I should say, of making more episodes of Camp Camp right yeah. now. Um, which is a show that I got to work on, and I actually got to see uh, an episode that I helped write on be animated. Like, I I, I saw it go from an animatic to, uh, you know, Mm. like, early animation, and then recently I was talking with Ariel. um, Again, another name drop. And uh, watching the episode, the first one that means anything, though, uh, (laughs) watching the episode fully come to life and be, like, really a great animated project. I don't know. It's just so... Watching those people work is incredible
2: yeah it's awesome they're very good at what they do
1: um so why puppets for for tales from the stinky dragon i mean it doesn't really have anything to do with technically they aren't
3: puppets yeah they were so i mean the story happened at all um you know john and micah are brothers yeah both work on the show and their mom patty yeah patty for for fun and just like you know to support them made dolls of the characters, from oh, the so show. the whole family is a bunch of fucking nerds, yeah, yeah. interesting. Um, and then Basically. sent them to us, and it was like, Oh, these are awesome. Well, she started with Mud's
2: doll or John's doll, which is Mud, and he's on the far left. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, Well, I just might as well make the whole crew. And then, yeah, she just sent them to him as gifts, so mm-hmm. like, we all got them in the office, and Gus has one as well. And it was like, and That was that was cool, yeah. <laughs> and
3: then I think it, uh, we were talking about ways to promote the show and get it out there because we it was one of those things where we knew the show was like really good but it's just like getting it discovered was always is always the challenge oh yeah uh and and um we had those dolls i think it was barbara who who was a fan of like potter uh puppets potter pals yeah
2: potter pals potter puppet pals yeah
3: and then (laughs) mentioned like oh we should do like a video like that
2: well she started she made one and then she hated it she uh, she like made like there was like a curtain and everything and she tried puppeting it and it was very like minimalist like no set builds no fancy camera work and she was like I fucking hate this. this is- <laughs> <laughs>
3: um but then <laughs> me and Blaine with our film degree so we're uh-huh. like we're going to make it. We're going to plus this up. We're going to make these kids stars. Um and you know we just shot it like a movie. We started yeah. shooting like sh- like you know s- as cinematically as possible yeah. and uh and and doing adapting into the a full show we like upped it even more. Oh yeah! We like we were like, well, we gotta it, make it good.
2: It's weird how it went full circle too, because the team that works on RTAA did the animations because the puppet videos were doing so well, and we continued to do that stuff. But back when I was an intern, I made. A puppet video with bobbleheads that we were selling in the store, and like, you, I was like, Brandon, you and Brandon were like, we need to sell bobbleheads. Can you come up with a way to like make a video for these dumbass interns? And I was like, okay, sure. So I made an RTAA, but with puppets, and then now it's like going full circle where they're making anime. I don't know. Anyways, I thought that was like animated out of the puppets. Y- yeah, yeah kind of. I don't know. It was, it was like a weird <clears throat> how it started
3: that way. But The I think the the what's fun, what's fun about it to me is I I, I from a just like storytelling it's like you can kind of tell whatever story you want because it's also s- such a small scale mm-hmm. and you can make it as big and epic as you want and um it's writing wise you can kind of do whatever yeah within, well within some but like you're a lot you have a lot more freedom than um than you might just if you're gonna shoot it live action
2: yeah but you can't say like oh this character does like <laughs> a fist fight takes place because the
3: fist fights them just going
2: no, but a fist—we've done <laughs> fist fights. It's—I think that you, there's. A, let's just say this: there's an element of we have to think about how the puppets can be puppeted when we're writing a scene. Like mm-hmm. I think that there's like limitations in, in the way that we physically portray some of the action. Yeah. But
1: yeah, I think it's interesting. Yeah, that like you said, because uh, one of the one of the key components of D and D as a game is the combat. You know, mm-hmm. and you really can't do combat. Have uh, combat can't be the central focus of your show, or it can. It just has to be interesting the way that you display it. Because it's like the you first said,
3: episode was yeah. the first episode half the there was a good like four five minute combat um, action scene, sequence. Yeah, but that took forever to film and shoot and edit. Like you couldn't do all of it like that, and it was very had to be very like kind of. It was just hard. It was challenging, right? It well, was funny
2: though because once we released that episode, I think someone in the comments was like, "I like how they treated this as if it was a combat situation in D D because each character has their own individual like turn." And I was like, "We didn't intend to do that at all. <laughs> that it just, just worked out that way. All. It's just the way that it has to go." <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that's so. Uh, I mean, that's really cool and all. It does kind of shut down my idea for um, puppet Jason Bourne. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Oh man, whatever. I really
4: want to see that. Yeah. <laughs> This episode of RTP is brought to you by Rooster Teeth. First, it's not a question; it's the answer. See, this weird RTP uh, really, really benefit from you supporting us at first, so we can be little stinkers, we can be little rascals, rap scallions, uh, you know, your favorite little uh, ragamuffins for this show. Really helps us do what we love, which is, uh, yeah, being silly geese. Uh, and for your patronage, for uh, paying for first, you get access to first exclusives and chat. Like a couple weeks ago, we did a uh, live stream of um, the quarry where we play that game over. Discord, so much fun. I had a blast, was crying laughing the whole time. And something else you get uh, when you pay for first is no ads anywhere ever at all. You'll never see an ad, we keep it completely free. You just, it's no, there's nothing between you and your favorite stuff. Uh, also, there's a new show, uh, Show Me The Magic, which is behind the scenes footage from Stinky Dragon Adventures, which is awesome and out now, you should be watching that. If you're not watching it, watch it now, it's fantastic. Um, and Supporting us through FIRST is the best way to support us and all of the wonderful people both here in front of the camera and behind the camera who work so hard to bring this content that you love and making those things is a FIRST priority. Supporting us with FIRST gets you access to fantastic perks like exclusive and ad-free content, peek behind the scenes, and a 10% store discount on anything. Uh, Plus we're always looking for more ways to give back to those who give us so much. So thank you so much and please support us with a FIRST membership.
1: When you were making the show, uh, the puppet show, obviously, um, do you, do you feel like you had to? Because Tales from the Stinky Dragon itself is not necessarily like um, a super explicit adult-oriented show all the time. I right. feel like like there's some adult jokes within it, but it's not like you're not saying "fuck" every other
3: word. No, not like this it's, show. Yeah, I think it's like it. <laughs> to me, it's like you can make a some we keep it family friendly you know is this the podcast or the Bo- show? Both. both yeah but we, we it's like there'll be jokes that to my head like even as like watching stuff as a kid that would come like cartoons and stuff there'd be adult jokes in those that you didn't realize as a kid that were like for adults but you just didn't as long as it's not explicit if it's like subtext then it's like oh okay a kid could watch this and not know that they were missing a joke yeah but the adult would
2: They'd catch it, but they wouldn't feel like they're exposing their child to something gross. Yeah, it's not yeah. like we, explicit. We we take pride in the fact that our that Stinky Dragon Tales and Stinky Dragon Stinky Dragon Adventures are enjoyed by families, and we get that comment often, uh, where it's like people are like, "Oh, we loved this episode. I showed it to my kids and stuff like that." Like, I think that that's really fun that you can watch this with, uh, you know younger generations and stuff but I, for me whenever uh, we started doing tales from the sneaky dragon there was a couple of like cuss words that got slipped into like one or two episodes we've got since gone back and i think like taken those out but there was a comment from this dad who was pissed, and he was like, "Bro, I wanted to listen to the show with my kid, and you keep dropping f bombs, like <laughs> what the fuck, dude?" And I was like, I, I, "That struck a chord with me, and I felt so bad." Yeah. So from then on, I was like, "I just don't want to cuss in the show." I
1: <laughs> mean, there's I don't know. I, anytime anyone brings that up, I'm reminded of a story that uh, another named uh, uh, Chad James told me whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> about uh, watching uh, Genlock with his uh, with his <laughs> with his kids, and then doing season two and being like, "Well." Can't do that. You can't watch Daddy's cartoon anymore because Daddy's penis shows (laughs) Well the kid's seen that
3: before. Oh god. No, I'm just saying when you're you know you're like a a kid, you never you what? Not like it didn't have to be, you know, like dads will shower with their little kid, you know, like and like what (laughs) living
1: past that
3: you're making it worse for yourself. I I understand what you're saying. You understand what I'm saying? Like when you're a kid, you know, like yeah. I do At a certain point Blaine yes, is Chris, wildly sure.
1: uncomfortable. Blaine is turning down His His headphone I'm dying right now uh, I do remember Sorry this is a quick you've aside Wait do You remember your dad. Seen... Okay no no you've Shut up it. We're moving past
2: that I do remember when Chad Left that recording He was white in the face And I was like How did it go Because we were super stoked Because we both had Very minor characters uh-huh. And we were promised Bigger parts Since season two And he told me about Like he had his Dick out He had a sex recording... scene He had to record Sex noises He's like yeah. I had
1: to... Well, you had a similar situation you were told me about. <laughs> what do you mean? When you oh, had to record God. a sex scene with sensual noises uh, sen- you I had you a know... kissing scene with someone named Chris. And and Chris, <laughs> you've had sex before, right?
3: Yeah. Sure. <laughs>
1: and when you're when you're having sex sometimes you like you have to you know you have to moan your partner's name so that means that blaine gibson mm-hmm. had to moan his best friend's name
2: <laughs> there's did you, i don't know if you watched season 2 but there's a moment where the my character's boyfriend is named chris <laughs> and chris is in danger <laughs> mortal danger and i go chris <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading that and was like, someone's fucking with me right now. <laughs> oh, my
3: God. At least you kept your penis in your pants. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> Chad. Uh, I uh, recently was having a conversation um, with my partner, about how uh, a lot of the art that I enjoy is really dark and upsetting. Um, like what? And, uh, I like things that are really upsetting. I don't know if you guys have been watching The Curse, Nathan Fielder's new scripted show. No, but no. I, I want to. It's, I
3: love Nathan Fielder.
1: So this show felt like it was made for me, and I'm sure a lot of other people feel the same way, but it's uh, it's created and written by Benny Safdie, Um, half of the Safty brothers who created uh, Uncut Gems, Good Time. They make some time. dark shit. Yeah, yeah, they make really upsetting shit. Um, and then the other half is Nathan Fielder, who, uh, also makes really dark and upsetting shit. Like most recently the rehearsal, which a lot of people were like, does this cross the fucking line? Super
2: divisive. And I felt like it did. <laughs> I
1: disagree with it, but only because I, doesn't matter. Point is, is that like the curse is a scripted show instead of being Nathan Fielder's classic unscriptedness yeah. of it. Um, but it is a meta absurdist take on white savior complexes, especially pertaining to like reality TV shows. Um, and like the, the need that people have to sort of like help the community and the way that it does that is by emphasizing the cringiness of all of this stuff by sort of all of the humor of that show comes through the cringiness and it is filmed in a way that is extremely voyeuristic. Like when you're watching the show, it feels like you're tailing somebody. Mm. It feels like you're, yeah. 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 There's like a couple times where it feels like the camera's in a van across the street, super zoomed in. There's a shot in the pilot where you're watching somebody through uh, like a peephole of a door. Like it feels gross. And also there's multiple moments where the scenes feel like they should end. Like you're almost praying like, please, cut to the next scene and a character will go and another thing and (laughs) and dig the fucking hole deeper I love that show I have to to be in the right headspace for it there's Mm. been a couple times where I've started an episode Mm. and go actually I have too much anxiety from the real world to actually enjoy this right Mm, now so I have to press fucking pause I like stuff that hurts to watch. My mother called Uncut Gems the best movie that she never wants to see again. Mm -hmm. Um, It felt like a two hour long panic attack and I loved it. I loved every Mm -hmm. second of it. I felt completely engaged and there in the moment the whole time. I love art that is hard to love because I think those moments are just... um, I think when you're in fight or flight, when you're in panic, there's something so like truly human does that make sense Mm -hmm. so like I love art that hurts Uh, and a lot of other people really like things that are fun (laughs) you know like uh, I remember my grandmother was like why would I pay why would I go see Uncut Gems why would I pay $23 to be upset Mm -hmm. and I said like okay well sometimes art is upsetting maybe you just go back to watching 30 Rock for the fifth time in a row (laughs) my grandmother did not like that um, but to be honest, like, people like that kind of stuff. People like, like, fun stuff. And I think it's really interesting that, like, I have a hard time finding things that aren't troubling, upsetting, super emphasis on dramatic. I have a hard time feeling like they're, like, very art, art mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But I watch your show, the and watch you guys make the show, which is essentially a puppet family show about a D podcast and i go this is fucking art this is incredible <laughs> and so like I, I guess my question to you guys is this like how do you how do you feel about um sort of taking such a silly goofy premise especially one that started with like tiktoks and like turning it into what i would truly call like sort of elevated art like you made a show I i think
2: like we both approached it in a way that we're treating the characters very seriously, and I think that that's something that we've done with the show as a whole. It's like you have these ridiculously cute, silly looking puppets, mm-hmm. but we want to make them like human and, and have like real stories. So, like, each episode there's four episodes this season that all are character based, and they're like explorations into a person's past and like the traumas that they've gone through, and just like you know, like a lot of soul searching and stuff like that. And they're like really dramatic episodes that I think people don't expect. But I think that that's way more fun than just like silly goofy adventure. I, like,
3: yeah, I mean, I think there's so much comedy to be mined from drama. <coughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, and and if you don't have any, then it's like, then I mean, you can something can be funny, but it's like you you get a lot, you can get a lot more out of something that you're also like, ooh, wow, there's sure some, that kind of hurts a little. <laughs> well, I guess you're saying, yeah, yeah, I, I mean, the, uh, well, like the, actually, the episode that uh, you, you're you have a big part in the episode that actually just came out if this is christmas that just came out the week out. prior uh episode 7 the um it's the kyboard yeah, episode yeah yeah um, which
1: actually is really funny that you mentioned so andrew roses uh constantly says that the that I think in Armando's world, the funniest thing is tragedy. And mm-hmm. I think that's true. When we used to make our um, our sketches at the beginning of the episodes, mm-hmm. you could tell when something was written by me because it would involve a character that was basically pushed to the farthest <laughs> turmoil. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like about to either like they have to kill or they are going to be killed. Uh-huh. It is upsetting, it's awful. And I think that's so funny. And the Kyborg uh, episode, uh, or the character that I played, Um, the big part is like, there's a, a, you know, like a death scene in it, Mm -hmm. um, or, or maybe not like a death scene necessarily, but like a really touching dramatic scene Mm -hmm. where like somebody is feeling something Blaine and you actually, you both were there when I was recording it. We could, I couldn't stop laughing (laughs) every time I would deliver this really heartbreaking, heart wrenching line of like, I give myself to you. (laughs) (laughs) there is something funny in tragedy well I
2: mean you, you had to also you were doing a silly voice and yeah you know what this is gonna ultimately look like so
1: sure but I mean like that's the the silly voice while dying is what makes that so funny yeah it is yeah. The, the the dichotomy of the, the split of like this is one. Like, if you take this at face value, this is a person going out and sacrificing themselves mm. and like doing this thing, the ultimate sacrifice, and then their voice is like, "I hope
3: you always <laughs> remember me." <laughs> I I I don't know. I mean, my goal is to make some people. Cry. I want people to cry. Sure. Yeah, I, I've actually teared
2: up a couple times while well. reviewing Seven and like other elements of the other episodes, where I'm like, "Man, this is like this is some touching stuff. It's really fun." But like, I mean, I, there's a there's a. The episode before that's based on flowers for Aldra. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, oh uh, there's there's a whole little monologue that Gum Gum he's like the silliest, dumbest character in the show, and he gives like the most serious monologue that's like very like existential and you're like, Oh Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> I didn't expect this from a puppet show. I mean that's what I that's that's what I mean about it, where like it is uh it is a puppet show. It is goofy, it is extremely silly. Um, but you guys aren't afraid to like, you know, make people d- <laughs> as stupid as it sounds, feel something. Yeah, And I know that sounds like I'm being facetious like you did earlier with your wow, <laughs> <laughs> my Lego job, but I genuinely mean it. Like it's, you know, you're basing stuff off of flowers for Algernon for fuck's sake.
2: Yeah. I have a firm belief that like, I appreciate when people consider my time when I'm consuming content or watching something. And I want to be considerate of people's time when they're watching our stuff. So like, I want to take this seriously. Sure. And, like, like, I want to make this look good and elevated and stuff like that, even though it's a silly puppet show, it's like basically a live action cartoon. We, I, I, it's my goal is to make it look like. Yeah, it's like we, we're, we're not goofing around. We're not here to waste your time. We will not want to tell you like a touching, cool story.
1: Sure. I mean, I we, recently we had um, Jeff Ramsey on the podcast to talk about. Is that a name drop? <laughs> it is. Oh, okay. It would have been in two, uh, 2006. But <laughs> uh, we had Jeff Ramsey on. Uh, you can laugh at that. <laughs> 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 we had Jeff on who, who, you know, Jeff really likes making podcasts. And I think he's good at it. Jeff said that. Um, in, in a perfect world he would be the new uh howard stern which i feel like makes the most sense yeah you know he's very having a conversation with him is really good it flows really well he's got a lot of insights and stories you know you don't look like that without picking up a few interesting life stories um like howard stern or Jeff. right <laughs> right right <laughs> But uh, I I had I had mentioned it in that episode of like I have no real interest in fully making podcasts like forever yeah. you know I don't I the I think the podcast medium is an interesting one, um, but what I really love about uh, like we talked about earlier like meta absurdism um, it, is one of the techniques that Nathan Fielder uses when he's making shows is. Understanding the rules of the show, that the show format that he's making, and flipping those around and turning them on its head. Mm-hmm. Um, where like the first project from YouTube Boys that I ever listened to, or was a part of, or was made aware of was uh, "Good Morning from Hell," mm-hmm. which was um, essentially an interview podcast, uh, but one that that took a, a strange approach where you were playing um, a man sent to hell. And your punishment was to create a podcast where you would interview every person in hell. Uh, every guest that you had on would then take on the role of a character, mm. and you would uh, never drop the bit. You know, it was Ever. yeah, it was it was interviewing these people as if they were truly those people. Um, and I think the interesting part of an interview podcast is that you get to learn about something. <laughs> <laughs> but you forego that, and what you get instead is this incredible like piece of improv and comedy where everyone's playing a bit, everyone's playing a character. Yeah. You're still using the rules and the format of with the thing that you're you know parodying, but you forego its intended purpose for making comedy. And I always thought, I don't know, it's always really neat to see what you boys do well, because you enough. take formats and play with them, and I think that's really interesting. Yeah. I miss Good Morning from Hell. Do yeah. you, you, you ever
2: miss it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We that was that was like that was like all pandemic. That was like our project that we mm-hmm. worked on. Yeah. Um.
3: I wish it hadn't. I, I do wish we'd done more in person because it's so fun to record. I I wish
2: we could have done more live stuff. Yeah. Because we had we had an RTX panel where yeah. it was ch- Sunday church service, but it was for Good Morning from Hell, so everything again was like flipped on its head. <laughs> the, the gospel portion we made we made everyone sing highway to hell i think yeah. uh, but like yeah that was such a fun show and that was where we met a ton of people like you and Paige mm-hmm. and like uh we, we made so many connections through that show mm-hmm. it was such a blast man but yeah no like good morning from hell was a lot of fun but i, I think that we're both having a lot
3: of fun on uh sure C, C Dragon
1: right now. do you ever think about like what's next
3: after this I, I, yeah I mean I'm got think you always got to be working on something new right yeah. I, I I guess I'm you know you you mentioned like podcasting versus like you don't consider yourself oh I'm a podcaster for life I just consider it's more like storytelling right mm. and it I can do whatever format or medium that I that it that the opportunity allows sure uh and and i I like to in, in an environment where, where you know you can't have an infinite budget and you're just trying to, if you just want to get something made, I always look at like, what do I have available to me? And what can I, you, what can I do with that? That's kind of like, so to me, it's like, Oh, I want good morning from hell that came out of, well, I want to, I want to tell like bigger story, like larger than life stories. And it's like, well, I can do that on a podcast. Yeah, because yeah. you don't
1: have the the burden of the you know the visual. Yeah, you can just do whatever as long but, as you have a talented uh, you know audio, format editor. Yeah. And
2: again, like that, we made those into like like the last like three episodes of that are like like there's like a fight and a bunch of other stuff like a war, and like we like made it a full radio play. Like yeah. we worked so hard on that edit to make it sound like they're in the middle of a battlefield and stuff. That it was just like it was like yeah we it's the pandemic we couldn't go and film anything so we're just like let's just (laughs) if you close your eyes this sounds like you're in the middle of like a
1: movie you know sure yeah we've um we took you know a lot of inspiration from you both when we started doing the podcast uh you know, when we when we took over RTP, we were told that we should make it into its own thing and that we were, like, supposed to be spearheading this change in the way that the company was making stuff. Mm-hmm. We pitched a bunch of shows. I mean, you boys, too, were in, for a brief amount of time, we were in um, uh, <laughs> uh, ProDev with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were pitching out all those shows. Um, unfortunately, we were told that every show that we pitched would be really good as a podcast segment, so we <laughs> should just do that. Um, but, yeah, we took uh, this show that... Um, You know, to be completely candid, at a certain point, uh, you know, people just want to stop doing. Like I think that what happened with RTP is a lot of people ran out of stories to tell, ran out of things to do, um, and they wanted it to, you know, sort of have a refresh or allow itself to be um taken over by like new blood so that old blood could go live and then come back and tell new stories Mm. and have this stuff. Uh, but what we wanted to do is be, we wanted to, like, make a whole new show, thinking that, like, you know, one of the issues with, like, shows like RTP is that they – RTP is one of the longest-running podcasts, I think, ever, right? Yeah. It's it's, it's insane how fucking long it is. Um, but you have this thing where, like, when it started, it was – Hey, come hang out with the guys who made Red versus Blue, mm-hmm. and then it became like, Hey, come hang out with the crew of Rooster Teeth, the people that make your favorite stuff. Uh, but now, in the way that podcasts work, you can't really do that because one, who the fuck are we, you know? And then two, well, you've been name dropping some pretty big names, yeah, 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 yeah. internally, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you, you know, if if you don't know who the three of us are, then we have to create a show that appeals to you from an outside perspective. So yeah. we took that. Idea and sort of ran with it, incorporating these different shows that we wanted to make, incorporating these different sketches that we wanted to make. Um, And then slowly got them stripped away as, you know, the company decides, you know, this isn't working. We'll do this. We'll move this over there. I don't know. Uh, We have always tried to use what we have at our availability to, like, make this stuff. Like, when we made the show, we did the first cold open. It was, like, a rip-off parody of, like, Goodfellas, Goodfellas, um, which is something that I had always wanted to do. (laughs) Uh,
3: (laughs) Which is funny because it's (laughs) – the opening like opening like, to good fellas like, as long as i've always wanted been wanted to be a gangster, i've always wanted to rip off the opening <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> as far back as i could remember i've always wanted to rip off good <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah and then what i think is really interesting is they they went oh cool you guys filmed a sketch that's awesome we can do that every so often then we did that every, every week <laughs> week um, it's a good sketches they I were good I love the sketches. Blade Runner one they were the Blade Runner one is one of my favorites and I like learned I don't know That was so fucking hard learning. uh, I learned After Effects for that sketch to to put in the fucking Blade Runner eyes. Mm -hmm. A detail for no (laughs) (laughs) one. I appreciated it. I know, and I appreciate that. I just, you know, it's really funny when you do, like, there's so many little things in that sketch where, like, I spent an hour making a realistic cracked screen for a joke. It's a visual joke that applies to no one. The bit being... We did uh, the Voigt Kampf test, but we called it the vato Compton test Mm -hmm. to tell if Andrew was Mexican or not because he is Mexican, but he's, you know, white. And so that was the bit. And there's so many little dog whistles where, like, he drives a 98 Honda. Uh, He has a cracked (laughs) iPhone 3. (laughs) He's dating a girl with a septum. Like, there's all these little things. And so, like, I spent an hour photoshopping a realistic cracked iphone screen Uh picture so that he could put it on his phone and it could be seen again a visual bit for half a second is all you get going
2: going back to what i was saying though it's like you take something deadly serious and you put a ton of effort into it and like that quality shines through and i think that people appreciate that like yeah like again puppets we're spending hours on one stupid shot where something dumb happens like I, i There's value in that. I think that that's art.
1: I think watching what you guys do inspires me to try to make better stuff because I see what you. Well, shut the fuck up, both. (laughs) (laughs) I see what you do in like what you're what you're able to. I see what you're given and what you're able to make out of what you're given, and what you use is, you use every piece of the animal. To you know, every part of the budget, <laughs> you are fucking scraping pennies from the bottom of the jar. You're putting ramen in from five days <laughs> ago. You got a hundred and twenty year old cartoon TikTok, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's but you're using your like incredible skill and power, like of both storytelling and like know how of how to like make compelling stuff. Yeah um and it's just so fun to watch i mean the show is so fun to listen to because like i said it takes itself so seriously but in a way that isn't you know dumb or yeah stupid in a way that you roll your eyes at it because you're like okay all right, yeah. so let's, let's chill out it's and... both completely self-aware of what it is it's a it's a fucking puppet show mm-hmm. for D D, but within that it is i don't know it's very similar to shows like a uh, you know adventure time
3: that which, was that was when i when i like i was like I was talking, and I came to plan. I was like, "Hey, I think we should adapt it, and I think it should be like this format." Before and, and, we even were writing,
2: Chris invited me over his place, and he was like, "Let's just watch cartoons."
3: And like we yeah. watched Adventure Time. Was a yeah, we one. were like, we were like, "Hey, let's let's watch the kind of shows that we want to make this like."
2: Yeah,
1: things. I feel like Adventure Time is such a great. Yeah, it's such a good comparison because it's a show that starts off completely funny, goofy, childish, uh, et cetera. It's a cartoon's cartoon. And then the more you watch it, the more you realize that all these pieces fit together. And also the fact that like, have you both ever read um, the show Bible like from before they started making episodes? Uh, For Adventure Adventure Time? Time? No, no. No. I'll send it to you if you want. It's highly, it's regarded um, uh, as one of the best show Bibles because you can see that from the very beginning, all of this stuff was planned. Yeah, Like you can see, Parts of it that make sense, Um, one of my favorite parts is the Lich King uh Because he
2: got me into Adventure Time, I'm in the thick of season four
1: right now. Uh-huh. Please do
2: not spoil anything, because I love that show so much. I'm not, do you
1: know who the Lich? King yeah, I
2: know is? who the Lich is. Okay, yeah.
1: this is not a spoiler at all. Okay, um, but the 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 show bible is colorful. It's bright. It's like reading a children's book. Uh-huh. It's really fun. And then you turn the page, and the Lich King. It's a white page. It is scribbled on. It looks like somebody drew the Lich Seven. King in a mad fervor. <laughs> That's so cool. Like it's so upsetting. It has has no color and it just the first words on it is the Lich King is not fun. The Lich King is not funny, goofy. There is nothing that's good rad. about it. It is death incarnate. It is inevitable. It will happen. It cannot be stopped.
2: That's fucking It right. just, <laughs> it's the
1: whole rest of the book is such a fun, like, colorful la, la, la. thing. And you have one page where it goes, death is inevitable and it will happen to you and everyone you love and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. The <laughs> best you can do is delay it, but eventually it will come for you and everyone you know. And then you turn the page and it's like, princess, I <laughs> <go." laughs> I think that's such like, uh, i don't know i think it's fucking awesome i yeah. think it's yeah. incredible and it well, shows the uh the forethought that goes into shows
2: like that. we watched a lot of adventure time we watched regular show which is like uh mm-hmm. mordecai and rigby i fucking G. G. love Quintel those sh- shit. He, i love his style and then uh steven universe is another big uh inspiration as well yeah steven universe is one of those shows where it's like oh this is fun it's it's a it's a team of like power ranger type people that are based off of these magical gyms and then you get into shit where it's like like parents yeah and and uh interpersonal relationships and friendships turning into relationships and it's just like oh my god this, this show's so heavy like that's, that show made me cry yeah it messed me up
1: so. i think it's an incredible show i, re- I remember um god speaking of D shows we uh when i worked at funhouse i helped launch a show called must be dice mm-hmm. um that was supposed to be a uh you know a um like one-off season mini series. basically the idea was to do uh actually what's really funny is Chris and I independently came up with the same idea mm-hmm. um of doing something that I won't say in case we want to keep making it I,
3: yeah but I pitched I was like hey Armando what do we think of this this pitch this idea that I have and and you're like are you messing with me yeah I was like, what are you talking about? I was like, I pitched that. I pitched the, almost the exact same like, concept. Like a year
2: ago. Well, then that's the, that means you guys got to collaborate on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's
1: what we said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I had come up with an idea that tied the seasons together, but it didn't, you know... Um, I was told that it was too... Uh, grandiose too much of an idea that 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 maybe couldn't be pulled off um i remember a couple years ago i i went to uh i when i was at funhouse i went to omar and i said i want to do a three-part uh horror halloween themed like tabletop game uh and i pitched an idea where it was like three different stories uh that were sort of connected but took place over different generations of time and then the fear street fucking goosebumps movie came out on netflix mm-hmm. that year and i went okay never mind actually <laughs>
2: uh, that dude. is the worst when you see shit like that happen yeah i've got three ideas cooking the back of my mind for like movies that i want to make and every time i see a trailer where it's like you know a group of teens use this magical thing you know. Fuck! Like, Fuck. I, I I was I could have written that two years ago and I didn't, and then yeah. now someone else made it.
1: It feels so fucking stupid. So I I switched it. Um, when I used to I I was like in this program, uh, with Nickelodeon, like learning how to do cartoon stuff, mm-hmm. and I had um, I had written a concept that I liked so much that I actually scrapped it from turning it into like the Nick people mm-hmm. so that I could so I pitched something completely different cuz I was like this is actually a really good You just want
2: to just bake on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I
1: don't want them to have it. Also, I think it's a little more adult. Um and so uh I had wrote the written the show which the easiest way to explain it is like um Stranger Things, animated Stranger Things in the 90s. Uh it, it, it was like the easiest way to explain it. It was very different though. It didn't have the same like plot structure or whatever. Um, and I did an episode that I wrote from that as the three-part thing. Uh, we did a we used a system called Dread, which I really liked, which is instead of rolling dice, you have a giant Jenga tower, and every time you have to do something oh. you that your character wouldn't just normally be able to do, or if you're doing it under pressure, you have to pull a Jenga block. That's great. And like if it's extra bad, you have to pull like two Jenga blocks mm. and you when you know when you tell people this like when i told funhouse they went okay yeah jenga sure like that's okay whatever but then you get into it and you're like i have to jump over a branch this tower's about to fall fuck and if the tower falls your character just dies that's the end of your character oh. i think that
2: that's a brilliant because it's like it's a dice roll, you know, how many times have you made a dice roll and it's like, this is something I'm perfectly competent at, and then your dice roll fails, and you're like, I guess I also well, that's like That's because,
3: like, any time, you can always fail at something. I mm-hmm. think it's like that. It's like that that chance, like, you need those stakes. You can never be so good that you can't fail. Totally, and I
2: understand that, and uh, valid, but I also feel like a, the, the Jenga thing is mm-hmm. like there's, like, it takes physical skill and there is something more involved. Like you're more in touch with that process. Sure. Than it would be just a, a dice. There's also that's like great. within
1: think, it, you're supposed to list things that your character would be both proficient and at like advanced at. And I'm supposed to, as the DM take that into like consideration. So like if your character would be good at this thing, I actually don't need you to roll. It's yeah. not like, Oh, you do something with advantage. I go, yeah you would yeah yeah you would do that wouldn't (laughs) you um and i i don't know i think it's so tense because there's a visual like oh fuck this Mm -hmm. is getting worse that's brilliant and so like i did that it was really fun um and then i did must be dice the show that like expanded on the universe and did other stuff and was actually based on the show itself um but i changed things to do stuff Anyway, making that show was so fun because it was a show that we made um, with story in mind. You know, like comedy was always going to be a part of it because it's Funhouse and those people are unbelievably funny. We got funny people, yeah. But the story elements of it were always the part that I cared the most about. And uh, I don't know. I think there's something so great about like I watch so much X Files. I watch so yeah. much like horror movies. I rewatched both versions of it because it has like a huge sort of similarities in it. The Tim Curry one as well. It was like made for TV, right? Yeah. Yeah. It was a mini series. Yeah. um, Which I think is great. I I love that uh, so much. Anyway, um, yeah, I think there's something like my favorite part of working on any project is the intake section in like before pre production when you're watching everything that's ever been done within the same genre (sighs) or vibe as your show. It's that's like
2: that's like your base of the mountain looking up at the peak and how much work you have ahead of you. But it is also one of those things where like the sky's the limit and like there are so many things. Yeah, you haven't, there's all these unadulterated ideas. (laughs) (laughs) There's all these unfiltered ideas that you can like, everything's, there's so much potential. And I'm gonna adulterate. I'm gonna adulterate (laughs) these
3: ideas. And and then you end up Dead on (laughs) Everest. Yeah,
1: yeah. Your red boots or whatever. Um I also think that's another thing that I that is so interesting is I I I I watched a uh uh an interview with um Neil Gaiman recently. Yeah. Um who somebody asked him uh how different does your first draft look from your last draft?
2: Oh, I saw that interview. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he says, uh, well, your first draft is just throwing shit at the wall and figuring it out and making it work. And then your last draft is is going back and making it look like you knew what you were doing the whole time. The whole <laughs> time. Because, you know, when you start out a story, you, like, have where you think it's going to go and then you start figuring stuff out and you find out yeah. that this piece works with this piece and this can actually go over here and, like, boom, 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 and you work that together and then you have your art you guys created a story together because that's what D&D is. Same with like Must Clabber Be Dice. Yeah, same with any D&D show is is the DM has a story and a way that it should go. And then you have these shit ass, stupid fucking players yep. with their stupid, dumb ass decisions and choices. Um, and it's, it's about adapting on the fly. And I am joking. I don't think that you guys are stupid. I don't think any player is stupid. I just think that it's one of those things where like you truly cannot control the story. It is a collaborative story. I think that there's validity in calling me and Chris
2: stupid because when you look at all of our D&D podcasts, our two characters are the ones that get the most like, ah, la, 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 la. But a lot of fun comes from that, though, and I think that those are necessary uh, story points. But anyways, yeah, (laughs) go on. (laughs) No, no,
1: no. I just think that it's so interesting of like, you guys, uh, what you get within Stinky Dragon Adventures is the ability to sort of this is your last pass. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. your first pass was doing the D and D show podcast show. yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you have the ability to go back and go like, yeah, well, this was a good story, but, uh, we don't need these three episodes of us <laughs> sort of fucking around this and... door. Yeah. Huh? Uh, interesting. That could actually just be five seconds. It turns out <laughs> that's incredible. Huh? Interesting. I don't know. I think that's really cool. How do you guys feel
3: about that? Well, I mean, I, I think it's, because it is different from the podcast in some ways, but it's like it's a different medium. And yeah, it's, it's like you, you're talking about t- trying to get the most out of a of a of a medium. It's like all right, well, it's a visual storytelling. What can you do visually? What's the most interesting way to tell the story? Yeah, it's 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 show don't tell, which is like a big rule when you're yeah and filmmaking. It's very much like like okay, hey, well, how do we adapt this? How do we get it started and the podcast starts you know like works great for a podcast in dnd it starts you know like kind of like a wagon you know kind of skyrim like right where they're group of people traveling right but that's not the most interesting way to tell that story on a visual medium like how do they meet you know it's like so we we it's just like different things like that like how What's the better ver? What's the best version of this thing, or how do you distill it down, or or something that became an important plot point in the podcast? How do you how do what's the best way of telling, like, like, that? seeding that yeah. idea? Yeah, right it's like oh, it might have been an item that got purchased at, just at a store, right? But what would be the most interesting way of that becoming an important part of a character? Yeah,
2: we have we have a, a character that it, it, it's like becomes the person's uh, what is it? Not a pet. It's like their. Um... I'm talking about yeah no, yeah no, yeah like, it's you, adopts
3: like a animal and it becomes a big
2: yeah it's, it's a thing in I if you're familiar or
3: something like that I'm <clears under. throat> well it's not a familiar but yeah just a pet anyways uh in the show
2: john just buys him at a pet store but then this this pet becomes a very emotional component of that character and he becomes like integral to that person's story so then, Chris and I were like, "What's what's a better version of that?" that or
3: like- it's not it's better for this format. Sure, it, sure. How yes. it? What's what's a what's a way that we can make this some more emotionally? Because uh- you want to you want to incorporate that that important part of the character. How do you make it part of that character? Yeah. And so it's like, well, let's tell a story about the those those two fighting sure
2: i'd say adapting and, and like there was a lot of stuff that we came up with from scratch but drawing from uh like a, a wealth of information and story and stuff like that was super helpful i thought it was a, this is a fun writing process for me because yeah. was just like we already had a blueprint a rough blueprint but then we could just really deviate and just be like well i want to renovate the bathroom
1: sure like, <laughs> that's what i've done with uh i mean when we were working for pro pitching out the shows one of the things that i pitched it was uh an animated version of uh must be Dice's Paradise mm-hmm. Pack. Just because mm-hmm. it's like... I remember that. Yeah, it's, this is... I have the blueprint for it. I see where the story goes, but now I can do it the way that it should have been. Like, incorporating the choices that the players made into the story and the story that they made the outcome become. But also, like, I can go back and, you know, like... I I agree with what you're saying. What choice is not necessarily better, but uh, better for the adaptation that you're making for the new medium that you're making. But my argument would be that like, because it is collaborative storytelling, everyone's working on the fly, and you're doing what works in the moment, this is your chance to have a second pass. To go over it and go, this worked, and it was good, and I'm glad that we did it. But how can we get there faster, tighter, more efficient? Yeah, fine yeah. tuning it, and that's all I mean. Again, it's not a change of better because it works. Because you're right, it works for that format. A real play D and D podcast. It works for that format. It's yeah. perfect for that format.
3: I guess like things like I think one of the first things I pitched to Blaine was like because his character in the D D show has lost an arm and has like a, a, a robotic arm. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I th- and he's an archer, and I was like, I don't think he should have his arm. I fought so hard on this. I was like,
2: well, I mean, that's like that's part of his character. So if he did, okay, maybe we go an episode without it because I think that there's something there. But like, he should get it by like episode three or something like that. And Chris is like pushing. He's like, no, 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 he should get the whole season without an arm. So I was like, <laughs> not until seven. Well, do we want to even, even say that? I guess it's wow. spoilers. Yeah, I mean, he's in. The, he's in the trailer. He has an arm. He eventually gets an arm, but it's like it is a uphill journey, and I think it makes that character
1: way more interesting. Yeah, especially because and- you couldn't jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ! I've you. had a I've had a good talk, really quick. Uh, mm-hmm. I just realized when you were talking about um, your idea of like having them or or the way that it worked of like starting like a Skyrim, like they start in the, uh-huh. in the wagon the, in the wagon in the travel. I was like, huh. I I don't really love that like trope of of starting things, and then I remembered that one of the last things I worked on when I was at Funhouse was I was writing a a cyberpunk. Um, one-off season Mm -hmm. of Must Be Dice and I realized that I had the most cyberpunk introduction into the story which was the like Were they (laughs) all in pods or something? No so uh, basically what happens is the way that the story starts is like you get these introductions to these characters and then one by one they sort of get like knocked out Uh Um, and the way that they all meet each other and the story starts is they come back back into consciousness, and EMP is hit. These They're in the middle of a job that they don't remember Ooh. taking, and they were hit with something that like emp broke the chip in them, and yeah. throughout the story they find out that the chip was basically allowing their bodies to be remote-controlled like yeah. robots. And so the whole story is them trying to figure out who did it. Um, and the way that I wrote the series was each episode was a self-contained adventure that through completing the quest, they would receive a lead on the next thing that they had so to do. So they could do. slowly put the pieces to the puzzle yeah. all together. It was also just like, I learned from doing Must Be Dice Paradise Path, which was just one continuous story. Like, we leave off here. Next episode. We pick mm-hmm. up here. Mm. The show that I wanted to have it was like, we leave off here where they have their new lead. Okay, next episode. Like, now they're in the desert. This character has like a sniper. Like, we start in the action. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, I think is a better way for that story to go but yeah like the cyberpunk version of waking up in in the wagon, wagon. is yeah. you wake up and you're holding a gun going
0: ah, uh, ah,
1: which i think is perfect um we do have to wrap up here i've right. had such a fun time with you boys uh next time we're able to hang out i'll, I'll schedule another podcast yeah <laughs> so, and i brought up. you a gift did you really yeah. it's ramen is it
3: merry christmas oh thank it? you Uh try and guess
1: what what is it? I want to take a guess. Thanks. It's uh. It's is this a a this is like a toilet flusher? See. Well, kinda, but not. All. The handle for a toilet. Is this, this look, a doorknob? It looks like a doorknob for a car door. Is this uh, one of your many doorknobs? This is a this is the
2: car door handle from your your Hyundai, and not it? <laughs> <laughs> it fell off. Is this Jesus. the one that I
3: broke? N- Oh, you broke one? No. Oh god. Now, is that why my
1: <laughs> Did
3: you really? I... <laughs> well, it stays on the set forever. <laughs> uh... anyway, so I I think I think my car is a fire hazard. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> Which is great because the last time you had a car, it got set on fucking fire. That was you, right? Or was that Ryan? It got melted. Okay, it was it you. Yeah, yeah,
3: it melted. God,
1: Jesus Christ! You are a you are a fire hazard. Um, boys, it's been so nice hanging out with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, uh, the audience are are wanting to to hang out with uh Blaine and Chris Moore, you should go watch Stinky Dragon Adventures, and you should go listen to Tales from the Stinky Dragon. Um, both are incredibly good. And uh, where can um, what you know, you have any closing arguments? Website
2: would be st- StinkyDragonPod.com where you can find all that stuff. Uh, no closing arguments. Uh, I uh, submit my five
3: minutes to Chris
2: okay
1: seeds is time
3: Uh, well I'm gonna start a garden with all those seeds okay anyway (laughs) 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 Uh, thank you honestly thank fun.
1: you yeah absolutely thank you for joining me I hope that you had a Merry Christmas thank you for joining us here if you want to help support the show you can go to the rtpodcast.com um you can also go to the slash first uh, which you know helps us immensely uh going through first allows us to keep making the show that you love uh, and keep making the other content all those other shows that I talked about that used to be segments we're making them as shows baby so if you want to help us do that that is the best way to do it you also get a bunch of fun stuff like Discord hangouts where we've played jackbox with you guys um we do rttv streams these are exclusive for first members it's super fun and again discount on merch discount on merch if you become a yearly member you get ten dollars off at the store um, which you can combine with all of these crazy deals that we had for black friday we had fucking uh buy one get one on everything which is insanity (laughs) So, um, go ahead and check us out over there. There's a bunch of fun deals going on and, uh, it helps us, you know, immensely. I can't say that enough. And, um, thank you. Uh, I guess, uh, we'll see you next week. I've been Armando Torres. Hale Clayton. And? Chris Harris. Okay. (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.